Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Duel, written by three ducks in a man suit. Preposterous! A chitin-clad appendage was brought down upon the ambassador's desk with a thundering crash. These trade concessions are simple. There is no reason the delegation cannot accept them. With all the careful diplomacy of a practical politician, Anna choked the side that demanded to be set free before it could defend half the chamber, but she still had to glance down at her notes to avoid giving the lucidite the withering glare her three adult children still feared to this day. The proposal suggested by the honorable delegate, she began with care, would negate any possible advantages for humanity and result in an entirely one-sided situation in favor of the Empire. This is not acceptable. The lucidite raised its horn, a sign Anna recognized as a challenge. Here it came, the moment she knew always was going to happen since the beginning of the farcical negotiations. If the delegation from Earth is unable to accept the concessions as laid out by the Lucendite Empire, then this delegate sees only one possible outcome. It extended its massive folklore towards Anna from across the table, its fellows filling the room with chattering excitement. Under Article 3 of the Great Treaty, this delegate challenges the human ambassador to a jewel of supremacy. Anna would have acted a great deal more shocked if she hadn't been expecting this from the beginning. Every other ambassador had warned her just to let the Lucidite have it this way, whatever he wanted, because as long as she did, the Empire would take only a moderation. But as the delegate had demanded more and more trade concessions from humanity, resulting in a one-sided deal barely a step above turning Earth into a slave colony, Anna had to put her foot down. And so, the Empire had played their most powerful card. Humanity accepts. Nice talks and sensory organs from the Zoo of Alien ambassadors turned towards Anna with various expressions of shock. The Lucenite's challenge was accepted. This was not. Humanity was due to the galactic stage. It made some sense that they would be ignorant of how powerful Lucidites were. But surely, the other ambassadors had warned her what would happen. Surely, she had seen the specimen before her. The contrast was insane. The lucidite was almost double the human sight and covered in black carapace armor capable of halting most kinetic weaponry with ease. This biggest limbs were the width of the human's entire torso, and all of that was just on his appearance. Lucidites have multiple redundancies for every vital system. They can survive being impaled through almost any single part of their body. Combine that with the shock-absorbent gel artificially introduced to the underside of their carapace that renders most impacts trivial, they become virtually unkillable. Walking tanks. Compare that to a human... She was of average height for a human female, not particularly strong or physically excellent for her kind. 
soft flesh presenting only a thin layer of protection for several vulnerable areas. She couldn't possibly win. At the acceptance of the challenge, the hall filled with the clacking of the lucidites and the audience making their excitement known. No lesser race had accepted a challenge from the Empire in decades. This was a rare opportunity for the Empire to gain display its power. The speaker, presiding over the gathering, formally declared the duel and asked Anna to pick her location. With an air of calm she did not truly feel, she input a set of memorized coordinates onto the datapad offered to her. Then she and the Lucidite were ushered to a pair of teleporters that would bring them to a location. Before the Empire had come along, the archaic throwback of the law that was Article 3 hadn't been invoked in almost 50 years. The challenge party had the right to decide the location of the jewel. Inevitably, they would pick their home world and have an instant advantage, breathable atmosphere, terrain, gravity, temperature. Because of this, on top of being a practice of largely regarded as barbaric, challenging anyone to a duel was more or less an act of suicide. Then the Empire had come along, genetically modified soldiers with implanted rebreathers who were designed to dominate any ground they walked on. Suddenly, the jewel of supremacy was theirs to exploit and the other races could do nothing about it. The fighters were both scanned to ensure that neither was carrying weapons. The duel was between two individuals, and as such, things were not allowed. A huge part of the Empire's dominance in this regard was because their medley of genetic and cybernetic enhancements were considered a part of their bodies. I look forward greatly to adding your skull to my collection, human. Lucidite didn't have a mouth, but if it did, it would undoubtedly be grinning in a savage anticipation. After the hazy confusion that followed teleportation cleared from her mind, Anna immediately became aware of three things. The first was she was experiencing her home gravity again, and living on other planets might have made her legs a little lazy. The second was that the sun was murderously bright and she could kill for a pair of sunglasses. The third was a wave of heat that struck her entire body at once, making her start sweating immediately. She raised her hand to her forehead to peek around the landscape and finally spotted what she was looking for. About twenty feet from where she had landed, an unmoving black mass stood out amongst the brown rock that covered the landscape as far as the eye could see. Without hurrying, she sauntered over to it, already feeling the skin sizzle and the blazing skin. She pointedly ignored the white Kara hovering above her, transmitting the visuals to the event back to the delegates of various races. Crouching down next to the collapsed lucidite, she has soft, groaning, and labored breath spilted to a wheeze through the internal rebreather of the immobilized war machine finally entering her hearing range. What is this? Where did you send us, human? The question came out as a whimper. This, um... Anna placed a hand on the lucidite shell. They had been here for less than a minute and it was already heating up like a saucepan. It's a place my kind called Death Valley, Mojave Desert, California, United States of America, Earth. Experimentally, she pulled out one of the lucidite's twitching limbs. It was like lifting up a big shipping chain. She brought it only a few inches off the ground before letting it crash back down. Can't move... Yes, your armor could only evolve on a planet with a much lower gravity than my homeworld. 
We have creatures similar to you in appearance here, but they are all tiny. And his mind immediately went to stag beetles Lucidatus reminded her of. Now, I know this sounds quite obvious, but it's rather hot out here and I am a 58-year-old woman, so I really would appreciate it if you surrender sooner rather than later, Ambassador. Better for us both, you see. Surrender? Never. The Lucidite barely audible declaration was stammered out between grunts of exertion as it attempted to pull itself off the ground. The attempt was futile. The exoskeleton alone held over a ton of mass, and in Earth's gravity, it was a coffin. Anna stood back up to speak, ignoring her creaking legs and fanning herself with a hand. It's a good thing it's summer in the Northern Hemisphere right now. The backup location is in the Australian outback, and I wouldn't care to encounter any of the flying tigers they have there. Fly? Oh, yes, quite lethal. Half the universe away, one of the diplomats from Australia watching the event live had a sudden coughing fit. Ambassador, the gravity alone here is enough to immobilize you, but you might have noticed that's not what will kill you. At this point, there was literal waves of heat rising up off the carapace that clothed the behemoth. It was on August midday. The temperature was likely well over a hundred Fahrenheit range. I don't care how excellent your internal mechanisms are. If you don't say the word soon, you're going to be cooked alive in that shell, and I'm going to get a nasty sunburn. Surrender. Now. When her children watched the recording of the event a few hours later, they would shudder at the familiar glare Anna calmly delivered to the suffering creature. But for the lucidite himself, begging by the beginnings of the delirium brought on by brain boiling in his skull, she seemed like nothing less than a furious angel descended to bring suffering onto this pathetic mortal. Five minutes later, the lucidite finally admitted his loss, and mere seconds before finally passing out, Anna waved impatiently at the camera drone for a pickup, already missing the air-conditioned negotiation chamber. The Lucilite Judist was carried by his comrades to the medical wing for treatment. Anna was handed a glass of ice-cold water and a towel by a colleague. She returned to the stairs of a hundred alien delegates looking at her with naked amazement while calmly wiping the sweat from her brow and rehydrating. It was good to be back in a climate-controlled building with gravity that made you feel that you could float down the corridors. The... The victory goes to humanity. The deadlock is broken. The speaker, normally an ice-cold professional, declared for congregation. We'll now break for recess and reconvene in an hour. The delegates are dismissed. The almost 60-year-old mother of three diplomats walked out of side by side with her assistant from the room in the human chambers, chatting about the favorable trade deal they now had. One of the nearby delegates, particularly good hearing, picked up a simple question the assistant asked as they walked. Flying tigers? Really, Anna? End of story. Story number two. Rolling the Dice, written by Tam Wynn 5. You know, Flob, I just don't know where he gets it. 237 to 11, the highest K and D ratio in galactic history. Most sentients don't, sir. You see, the current dogfighting theory has all been about juggling power, knowing when and how to shift between weapons, engines, and shields to maximize effectiveness. While this human has been good on that front, it's not where he's getting his edge. Instead, he's got some sort of next-generation tactical AI. 
and it's just been running circles around the competition. Quite literally, in that last match, I've got the numbers up here, and it is very clear that he's done extensive personal modifications. Not a single one of our predictive algorithms can keep up. Imagine how bad it is for other pilots. This is looking like a revolution in dogfighting strategy. Maybe I should squeeze a tentacle behind the joystick, see if the old legend can learn some new tricks. Unless you've suddenly learned how to code the nav computer, sir, you best be puttering off to Lazius 4. Museums there pay top credit for decrepit old relics. Ha! Well, I'll have to delay that retirement, because our contestants are orbiting around. What do you think, Prob? Think this Yelethel can beat the reigning human champ? Unless they've got a custom nav comp of their own, it is highly unlikely, sir. Well, no matter how slim, there is always a chance, and it looks like the blue blood is rolling the dice. Inside the cockpit, five-fingered hands rolled a half-dozen well-worn plastic cubes against the grab plate. Pink fingers traced the paper notebook, stopping at the line. Six, three, four, one, six, five. Straight at them screaming, huh? With a savage grin, the human punched the commands into the old computer. He stared at the blinking red light, indicating an outgoing call, letting the suspense grow and the distance close before finally flicking his mic on. Yeah! Unbelievable! He just stole straight through, didn't even slow down. Shield flick rams must have long staple finisher, but to lead out with such a risky move, it's a real gamble. But it paid off this time. That yellow lethal would never in a million years expected that maneuver. And that is why there was the right move to win. I'm telling you, sir, custom combat computers are going to be the revolution of our lifetime. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.